Product Breakfast Club. Product Breakfast Club. Hello, everybody. This is Jonathan from AJ and Smart. And this is Tim, also from AJ and Smart. <laughs> so uh, this is weird. We got a new person. I've never yeah. had Tim on the podcast yeah, it's before. Yeah, my, it's my first time on the Product Breakfast Club. So it, exciting. It must be extremely exciting yeah, for you, Tim. I am drenched in sweat right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we're both sitting very close to each other, both facing yeah. a screen. And like, you know, when you see videos online about how YouTube podcasts are set up, it's yeah. usually not like this. Right. It's, it's a bit like singing, uh, you know, like an audio studio where they sing in these songs and it's like this comically small studio. What are you saying about my studio? I, uh, your studio is great. I mean, I love it. It's great. So Tim is, first of all, Tim is here because I want to try out, you know, experimenting with different podcast kind of formats and see what people like. And Tim, could you kind of tell people who you are? Young man? Yeah, of course. So I am a product designer at Agent Smart. I was one of the first hires. So I've been working with Agent Smart, I think, since 2014. Jesus. It's you should probably like, leave soon just to save yeah, yourself, it's a, you know? It's like a save your career. Yeah. I run sprints uh, with Agent Smart for different clients. I'm also very interested in product strategy. And uh, yeah, I think that's really all there is to me. That's all there is to Tim. Yeah. Tim is. Um, yeah, Tim's been here a long time. It's been a very, very long time. But it's good. You still like it. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> no, actually. I You're here it. to quit on air. <laughs> yeah, I actually wanted to do that right now. That's what this episode's yeah. all about. And today, what myself and Tim are going to be doing is we're going to be looking through Fast Company's top 50 most innovative companies of 2019. And we're both looking at this for the first time. So we're probably going to be confused about what these companies do and what they are. But the Fast Company Top 50 Companies or World's 50 Most Innovative Companies list is actually a really great way to see sort of what trends are coming up in the world. And I think even though a couple of them, you know, often a couple of the top 10s kind of fail within the next year, usually the top 10 most innovative companies and fast companies list are definitely something to be aware of and can help you figure out like what's up with the industry at the moment. So Tim, if you don't mind, yeah. what's up with industry? We're just going to go through it. We're let's, just going to go through it. Yeah, show me what's up with the I'm industry. I'm going to show you what's up with it. So let's start. Maybe let's start with number ten. Oh yeah, and work our way to number one because yeah, it's kind of stupid to start at number one, right? Okay. Okay. So number ten is Twitch, mm -hmm. which is Twitch is the live streaming platform. This is the tenth most innovative company in the world according to Fast Company. What do you know about Twitch? Well. Twitch is really surprising to me because it, uh, for me it kind of like came out of nowhere because I'm not really a gamer. I mean, I used to play games, but more like casually. Nerd. So I don't, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't really follow um, people who are streaming games. And I'm also not really super interested in the games that are usually streamed on Twitch. What I realized over the last, I think, two years, it seems to me that Twitch is really becoming mainstream really quick. Um, most people probably still haven't heard of it, but I yeah. think it's almost like becoming the next YouTube thing. Like they have a community on there. It's not just about games anymore. There are people who are pretty much just talking, live streaming stuff. So yeah, what I also know is that they pretty much have their own stars by, yeah. by now. Like Ninja. Exactly, Ninja. Is Everyone like knows the one, Ninja. Yeah, every, like even I know Ninja. So uh, it's Ninja. Yeah, <laughs> it's a really interesting product, and I think when Amazon bought them, I mean, I wouldn't say it was like a big surprise because it totally makes sense that Amazon wants to own their own YouTube, right? Uh, it's just that I yeah. did not expect Amazon to do something like that, but it's cool. I think for me, first of all, what I always find amazing when people think about innovation, they think about new ideas. Twitch is not a new idea, right? Yeah. There's live streaming built into YouTube. There's live streaming sort of everywhere. But the fact that you can build an entire huge growing platform that's worth billions mm -hmm. by just taking one small element of another product, choosing a specific category that it should start out with, I think one of the biggest mistakes, you know, sometimes our clients make is that they want to sort of do everything and they want to hit every market at yeah. once. And Twitch could have started like they are right now. Yeah. Right now they have cooking, fitness, yeah. talk shows, they have everything. And what it says here, they even do these like TV yeah. show marathons with Doctor Who, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's like huge and important mm -hmm. that they had this hook at the yeah. very start, which yeah. is really, really interesting. 
This really reminds me of a book that I just read uh, about. <laughs> I, I keep I keep Tim talking about books. Yeah, I read a book. I read one book this cool, year. Cool, great, great job. Um, and it's Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Oh, you know Peter Thiel these days is like kind of a, a figure that people don't yeah, like. But the book is good though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the it's book is really, really good. I mean, the interesting thing is like this is so, like this fits to Twitch so much because uh, he is talking about how when you want to create something new, you have to dominate a really small niche market first before yeah. you think about like adding the other stuff. And it's, that's essentially what Twitch did by just owning the live streaming gaming market and really nailing that because this is something where YouTube couldn't really compete with Twitch because YouTube is not really about like live. I mean, they have like live streams, but it's not something where you would actually stream like how you play a game or something. So Twitch really owned that market and now they're kind of like building on top of that and i think it's really really no coincidence that like the biggest stars of twitch are like all these gaming personalities and i'm super curious where they're going next i mean honestly to this day i have never really watched anything on twitch but i'm super interested in what they will come up with next because i, I think now they're basically trying to get people like me to watch uh, specifically you specifically yeah, just Tim. for me i mean it was all like uh, <laughs> it was <laughs> exactly no, it's cool. I mean, I, I think it's really exciting because it's it's almost like counterintuitive to think about almost like a digital version of live TV mm. because we all thought like, oh, it's not about life and linear stuff anymore. I mean, Twitch isn't really linear. It's essentially like everyone can have like their own TV station, have their own like live content there. And to me, YouTube is trying to do that as well. But it's just like, I don't know, like to me, YouTube is more about like creating really polished content, uh, putting it up there for the ages, basically. And Twitch is more like this thing that is in the moment. Cool. And I think what's interesting here is the quote from the COO of Twitch is, where gamers go, everyone else follows. And yeah. if you look at YouTube, if you look at Reddit, yeah. uh, these platforms were completely built by gamers in yeah. the beginning. Yeah. Um, so wherever gamers are going next, mm -hmm. you can, and I think that's it's really interesting to see that that sort of like, sometimes where some of the biggest trends are is where gamers are interested in and yeah. for me also that's why maybe vr is not working out because yeah. gamers currently don't give a fucking shit about vr yeah it's it's too nerdy and i think it's also it's this, too nerdy for gamers uh, yeah and if it's too nerdy for gamers then it's really nerdy yeah. i mean the thing is also it's not fun to watch a vr game i mean it's interesting to be in a vr game the experience is interesting but, you know, like, it's more interesting, I think, to watch someone like PewDiePie oh, play yeah. a game and react to stuff that's happening on screen and ma making jokes. But all of that stuff isn't happening when you're wearing a headset yeah. and your entire face is covered with this bucket. And uh, <laughs> What kind of VR headset do you have? <laughs> it, it, I, I, it's pretty lo-fi. It's really... <laughs> it's just a bucket. Yeah, it only plays, plays one game, which is you're inside a bucket now. So do you feel... <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about Twitch being the 10th most innovative company in the world in um, Fast Company's list? I feel good about that. Cool. <laughs> We're good. We're good. But it, yeah. it is interesting, you know, if you look yeah. at the definition of innovation, that is not a product that I would define personally as like creative, you know, in terms yeah. of like innovation, but it is, it's actually execution and yeah. market niche yeah. innovation. Yeah. All right, let's move to number nine. Number nine is Oatly. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so fucking surprising, actually. Yeah. So Oatly, for anyone who doesn't know, is like an oat milk company. I guess like they make the oat milk we have here in the office. And I don't know what else they do, actually. Besides oat milk. Yeah, like this is the ninth most innovative company in the world. And actually, mm. it's funny that the page when you click into it is not very... There's not a lot of information here, but... Yeah. You know, you know what's funny? We recently worked with a company that has a business relationship with Oatly. And really? Is, yeah. And the funny thing, I mean... Who was it? Wink it to me. Uh, 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 okay, I, I see. Yeah, it's, a, it's another Swedish company. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, but, yeah. But um, the interesting thing to me is that Oatly was maybe the one of the first brands of like these alternative replacement milk drinks that try to appeal to more urban hipsterish audience and i mean i used to be vegan for like two years really 10 years ago yeah, really? yeah, yeah. i didn't know that um, and was only around then no it, okay. it was like you actually had to go to these kind of like organic supermarkets and yeah. buy soy milk and it was really like all this stuff like you bought it and you thought like 
this is so uncool. Like, this is, like, <laughs> I feel like such an uncool person, like, yeah. buying this stuff because it, like, appealed to these eco types that, uh, you know, like, hate commercialism and basically hate everything that looks nice. It has to actually look ugly for it yeah. to be good for <laughs> the environment. And Oatly is not doing that. I mean, Oatly is a company that is essentially not talking about, you know, like, all these... You know, it's not about guilt-tripping anyone. You shouldn't drink milk. It's about, like... Hey, you know what? This is really delicious. That's true. It's it's really not about this is not milk. Yeah. It's about one of the biggest things that I noticed with Oatly is that they say this foams like real milk. Yeah. So it's a barista. They it's, they branded yeah. it as barista friendly. Right. It's really on the box. It says barista it, yeah, friendly. Yeah, it is really about like almost like indulging even when you don't want to drink milk. Yeah. I mean, I'm still not sure how innovative why is it Oatly ninth place is because I mean to my I it's mean brand honestly, innovation. Yeah, that's true. It's standing true. out. Like it, the crazy thing is, right? When I go into a shop, Oatly is one euro more than all of the other half a milk, which is the yeah. exact same thing, oat milk. But I pick up Oatly because I subconsciously think it's better, mm. even though I'm pretty sure the exact same fluid is coming out of the bucket. I don't <laughs> buy it in buckets, but, yeah. you know, <laughs> the bucket theme. But yeah, I think that's what I like about the fast company list is that, you know, I guess they're trying to be a yeah. little wacky. I think yeah. they are trying to be a bit wacky, but that's yeah. kind of fun too. And I, I don't know. They don't really say why it's innovative here in the yeah. article that I've clicked on. They just say, well, basically, they kind of took over the market by making big deals with influential coffee shops mm. in the US and then getting into Whole Foods. Yeah. Whole Foods. Its aesthetic stood out in the yeah. non-dairy beverages. So I think this is interesting. So listen to this. Between 2017 and 2018, by the way, this company is uh, was founded in 1994, so they did nothing for a while. Within one year, the company's revenue grew from 1.5 million to more than 15 million. Mm. That's actually not that much. I'm kind of confused. Yeah, but still, <laughs> like for uh, for oat milk, I mean, for oat milk, it's I, a lot. I, I, yeah, that's really I mean, not that much. But, I'm surprised. I mean, actually. that's that's still like a pretty massive uh, growth rate. I mean, the yeah. the what for you I, maybe what I, <laughs> <laughs> like when it when it comes to innovation, I'm thinking it's interesting to follow this angle of you know like we are not trying to appeal to mainstream consumers. First, we're going after the influencers and yeah. the cool people, and then everything else follows after that. And I mean, that's a bit counterintuitive to most fast-moving consumer goods where it's just like, we are just basically competing on price, you know? Like, it's this thing, we're putting it on the market, we're putting it at every supermarket, and then people will just buy it. Yeah. Um, and this is different because, I mean, I think Oatly is also not the cheapest um, option. No, it's more expensive than all of the yeah, other ones. Yeah, it's almost like they're trying to be like the Ben and Jerry's of yeah. these uh, yeah beverages or like milk replacement drinks or whatever you call that category. I have no idea. Like, I... Um, milk bucket. Mil yeah, <laughs> exactly. Non-milk bucket. Yeah. So actually, who's going to buy Oatly? I think we do. We, have we will buy them. We have Oatly in the office. I mean... Yeah. No, um, but who's going to buy the company Oatly? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, we, we 15 will. 15 million is not that much. Um, so. I could see like a company like uh, Coca-Cola really? or... Okay. You know, like some big dairy company that wants to, it's you know, like going to be Nestle, though, isn't it? Yeah, didn't Nestle buy Blue Bottle? Blue Bottle, yeah. yeah. Actually, that's perfect. That's yeah. that's really perfect. But I mean, um, yeah, I could see that happening. There's no way they're going to stay independent. Independent, yeah. Not maybe they chance. are really fiercely independent. Yeah, like, I that's doubt why it. they Give, very, look at very this. passionate about their <laughs> oat. Yeah, we'll see this brand next year, and they'll be part of Nestle. Yeah. Okay, so number eight is Square. Oh, cool. Great. Did it, did it, did it. This is the first kind yeah. of, well, actually, it's yeah. not the first tech, tech this company. This is uh, list. also such an interesting one because, again, this is an example where a company is not necessarily doing something that is, you know, like completely crazy. Like it's blowing your mind when you hear about it. It's, it's about payments. Mm -hmm. And still, like the way this is executed, it's like, it's so interesting because I remember first hearing about Square years and years ago. And thinking that's so cool. Like, imagine we could like go completely cashless. Swipe and I the mean, credit card in the iPad. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I mean, I think Europe and Germany in particular is like one of the worst places when it comes to you know like being very attached to cash and yeah. paying with cash. Whenever I'm in the US, I am always so happy to not having to deal with that stuff. You know, like you're just using your credit card. Yeah. And now with Apple Pay and all of these things, it's getting even easier. You don't even need your wallet anymore. Apple Pay and is so juicy. Yeah, yeah, right. I love but it. But the cool thing about like what really stood out to me with Square is that it basically pretty much disrupted the entire 
credit card industry by offering this payment dongle for yeah. people. Like you could have your own little stall and flea market selling hand knitted. I don't know underwear or something. That'll be it. And you, yeah, you wouldn't need cash. You could still get credit card payments. So, but I don't think they disrupted the credit card industry. I think they disrupted the terminal, the cash terminal yeah, industry. That's right. and, yeah, that, that's, and that's, that's probably like, yeah, exactly. That's what I meant. So it's initially like, anyway. That's what they exactly. disrupted. And I mean, these terminals used to get a pretty big cut of the payment as well. And yeah. uh, these things are super expensive. So to me, Square is an example of something that already exists it's just done it's done using well. yeah it's done well using digital technology to make that happen way way better and more frictionless than ever before and by doing that you also can offer something that is far far cheaper than anything else with this giant like legacy where you know like probably these terminal companies have been around since the 70s or whenever people started using credit cards like as a mainstream thing and whenever you have legacy it's super hard for you to innovate because yeah. you're so attached to you know like the old workflows the old ways of making money um wait a second <laughs> tim is uh getting called into a sprint i think all right everybody we're going to take a break and uh we'll run a squarespace ad <laughs> This episode is sponsored by Squarespace. All right, we're back. Yeah. Okay. Great. So we took a one and a half hour break there, yeah. and now we have some beers. Cheers. I, cheers, uh, Tim. Yeah. Cheers. Shout out to uh, Superfreunde Beer. It's a Berlin brand. They should be in the top 10 most innovative companies. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they're not out-based, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we finished off on Square, and that was number eight. So let's continue. Square is number eight. It's Cash App. Yeah. They should really sponsor this. Yeah, cool. Okay, the next one is Appeal, A-P-E-E-L, Ooh. Sciences. Never I've heard of that. never heard of them either. Is so, it? But I did read this, so it's an interesting one. So the, I'll, I'll really, really quickly read this. It's edible, tasteless, and can double or triple the shelf life of fruits and vegetables. Following six years of R&D, R&D, people mock the way I say R, last May, Appeal Sciences debuted... It's plant-based coating on avocados at more than 250 mm. grocery chains. The technology, which slows water loss and oxidation, has already led to savings of up to 60%. Up next are strawberries, asparagus, etc., uh, etc. Et yeah, so this company is a science company that helps reduce food waste by keeping fruit and vegetables fresh longer That's through cool. science. That's really great. This is another innovation, I think, that sounds almost like unsexy you know yeah. like when you think of innovation you think of like a shiny new smartphone or yeah. something crazy like a i don't know like a vr glove or something <laughs> like that and <laughs> a vr and here sock. it's like literally just a coating for a produce but i think it's such a it triples the shelf life it's of such food. a crazy interesting thing to because i mean honestly like this happens so often to me i buy some vegetables thinking that oh wow i'm going to be extra healthy and then I let it rot in yeah. the fridge and eat really like a caveman, like really <laughs> like a sad human being, just you know, like potato chips out of the out of the bag. You do that and, anyway, even if you have yeah, fresh I do stuff. that anyway. But in the end, like the the vegetables are rotten, and that's very unsatisfying. I had um this morning. Did you hear the story about the avocado I had this morning? No, I would love to hear. I love avocado based stories. So this morning I made myself sort of like guacamole and eggs, like avocado toast, as Americans would call it. And I bit into the bread and I was like, oh God, what the fuck is that taste? And I, I thought it was because I'd brushed my teeth. And you know, when you brush your teeth and then eat something, you have this weird taste. Yeah. So it tasted really disgusting. Mm. And then I was like, okay. And, and I had coffee and I was like, oh, the coffee tastes normal. Mm. And then I tried something else and I was like, a bit of cheese. And I was like, the cheese tastes normal. And so I bit back into the, mm. into the avocado yeah. toast. And it, it tasted like vomit. Was it coated in appeal sciences? It, it wasn't. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck happened, but I actually like almost threw up. Oh. Had to like, and, and I ate almost half of the sandwich because I thought of the, it was a toothpaste thing. Oh. But for some reason, the, the avocado Damn. tasted like vomit. I've never yeah. had that before. That's interesting. Um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, that's a good story. So that's yeah, we don't idea. have a lot to say about appeal, but that's interesting. You know, that's what I, again, like the, the Fast Company mm. top 10 is kind of interesting. Oh, I love the next one. Mm. Number six is, is a company called Sweet Green. Do you know Sweet Green? No, never oh, heard of it. It is so, oh, Sweet Green is like, it's basically a crazy 
well put together machine of a place where you go in and just get like an amazing salad super quickly mm. a million different types of ingredients really really great that sounds um, so cool it's super fast so it's it's just really really yeah. really great and the reasons it's in this top 10 list is because apparently it's like got cult product smarter delivery secure supply chain less waste etc 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 i don't know much about it but i've eaten there i was in new york in august and i only ate in sweet cream but you really want to eat a cult product i want to eat a cult product. is it like people in robes <laughs> making that salad it's uh cult, it's, it's people in robes and i want to eat them yeah but it's so unbelievable they're this not wearing a- anything under the robes <laughs> so. um, this is interesting look it says yeah. that uh sweet green has a history of collaborating with prominent chefs mm. and on special dishes last yeah. november chefed up with dan barber mm. uh, to launch a salad featuring yeah. something and uh, yeah. apparently it was as popular as somebody dropping a new sneaker mm. so like people were queuing up outside to get this yeah. salad you see more and more companies like that and i think it's almost like a new breed of bringing food to people, you know, where it's less about... I mean, back in the day, I'm 37. But Hello! <laughs> Hello, kids! So I think we're kind of like moving beyond this supermarket paradigm. Mm. I, f- I feel so douchey saying something My like that. supermarket paradigm. Yeah, um, no, no, but where you know, like where you have like a centralized place where you go to pick up the groceries yeah. and you don't need to have that anymore. You can pretty much deliver something directly from some fulfillment center and it will be even fresher it will actually be like tailor-made for you you can just order it in some app and you will have fresh salad in your hand within like a couple of minutes without the bowl it will just be like a leaf of salad (laughs) that's that's at least the mvp but um i think it's uh it's interesting i would actually love to have something like this in berlin as well i remember that it's not in berlin I mean, do you remember that uh, Green salad, Gurus? salad company? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that that was pretty cool for a while. We haven't ordered there in a while because we wanted to... It's not branch. as good as this. Yeah, It's not yeah. as good as this at all. Yeah. And I think that the interesting thing here is, you know, they tried something similar to Green Gurus where a lot of their money comes from you basically using the Sweet Green app yeah. um, as an employee of a company mm. and getting it delivered yeah. to the company. And I think what's interesting here is that a lot of food companies you know, a lot of food brands, and this is similar to Oatly as well, mm. they don't stand out. So they have to go into one of these aggregator apps like yeah. Deliveroo, mm. whereas a company like Sweetgreen can stand out as a really popular brand and have yeah. its own. Like, do you think that like the random sushi chains in Berlin yeah. could have their own app? Definitely no. not. You know? And I mean, this is uh, such an interesting B2B2C product as well. I mean, yeah. I like if, if for I... For anyone who doesn't know what B2B2C stands for. Yeah. What does it stand for? It, it means that um, essentially the customer of that product is actually a company and the end user is someone working for that company. So imagine you're getting signed up for this by your company and it's telling you, hey guys, you can now get salads from what is called Sweet Green, mm. and we're just going to get these delivered. And I think it's a really interesting, especially for a place like New York, where it's so expensive, like going for dinner or, I mean, I know so many Americans are just packing food at home. And this is such a healthy, interesting alternative, yeah. like getting salad to people. And here, like what's interesting as well, one of the innovations is that they don't mix the salads for you, apparently, and they have a wider, shallower kind of bold that you get yeah. your salad in so that you can toss it yourself That's such a cool office activity as yeah. well like hey guys let's uh, go toss, toss, toss the salad, salad. <laughs> let's go toss uh, the salad i don't think you can do that in companies anymore yeah <laughs> so yeah sweet green yeah. is number six and i really love sweet green and i fucking wish berlin could get its food situation together seriously berlin mm. Sort your shit out. It's always Clo- so embarrassing when we take American <laughs> clients to some place in Berlin. It's always but you know, there is a, you know, in Germany, uh, any of you who know about the Berlin startup scene, it, it's a lot about just cloning American companies. Yeah. There is a company in Berlin trying to clone Sweetgreen right now. Uh, there's a guy trying to clone Sweetgreen. I am happy about this. Clone mm. it, do a good job, yeah. and open one near our office. We'll yeah. eat there. Okay. Or even better, Sweet Green could come to uh, Berlin. So this is an interesting one. Number five is a company called Stitch Fix. Mm -hmm. Stitch Fix was a lightning demo in one of our products maybe three years ago or something. Um, So Stitch Fix is, I'm just trying to remember, Ah, I know it's a clothing product. It's an e-commerce retailer that uses data science to find you the best fitting clothes you've ever worn. 
Amazing. I don't know if it's for men. So that that sounds like they started like a lot of these companies, right? Like sending these boxes out and you're yeah. just sending stuff back that doesn't fit. Yeah, like um, outfittery exactly. or salon, salon and stuff like this. But it's, uh, it's also like that sounded really cool when you first heard about it. And then yeah. maybe you got like one of these boxes, then you realized I have to send most of that stuff back. Yeah. And what this, like the USP of Stitch Fix is that they use all that data. Fancy algorithms. Yeah. So essentially you don't need to worry about fitting anymore. And I think it's interesting because for one, it's solving that e-commerce problem with returns. I mean, it's essentially such a giant waste of resources and it's a pretty tricky problem to solve. Like, I mean, I know for sure that a lot of companies in Europe who are in that business who are offering free returns are really struggling with what to do with the stuff that gets returned. Yeah. Uh, one of these companies, Zalando, actually has like an outlet store really close to our office. And what Oh, happened, is that what they do? Yeah. Oh. So they get the returns and instead of bothering with putting these back into the inventory, they're just like, it's too expensive. Let's just sell mm. that stuff and not worry about it anymore. But you can imagine that this is a loss of revenue. It's costly. And also just like sending stuff back and forth is also not the most cheap and efficient option. So I think it's really interesting. I really like this list. I mean, it's all these... It's very, very varied. Yeah, it's all like very, like not, you know, like minority report style TVs or something like that. (laughs) Or something stupid like that where where you're just like... It looks really impressive, but then you're thinking like, oh, the God damn it, who is going to use that? Yeah. And this is something that is leveraging digital technology to almost like sprinkle magic over something that already existed, but somehow makes it 10 times better. There's just less friction. And it's the same thing with Uber. I mean, you know, like the first time, you remember the first time you took an Uber and you just got from A to B and then you I was amazed by it. I think the first car without paying, without touching money. Yeah, that's the best part. That is still my favorite part. Oh, just getting out. Yeah, and it's such a cool experience still to this day. I really love that. It's so dumb like that. uh, Holy shit, do you know my taxi changed their name today? What? They changed their name to something really weird called Free Now, I think. That's crazy. Yeah, so I had no idea. That, my, that happened today. Today, today I, I got use that my message taxi all the time. Um, so today my taxi so and my are taxi, they free now. Uh, it's so weird. Look, <laughs> look at the look at the shit. Free now. Then my taxi app is going to change to free now. Wow, what a weird name. Obviously, you're going to just assume the taxi is free. But the weird thing for me is that my taxi never managed to get the thing that Uber has, where you just get yeah. out without paying. Yeah. Like, why? How can it just not be standard now? I don't know. I, I have no idea. Taxis, man. They suck. It's, uh, but Uber was illegal in Berlin for a long time, and I'm yeah. just so glad it's back now. It's so yeah. much better. It's such a better experience yeah. than taking a taxi, except for the fact that in Berlin, the cars don't need to be nice. Yeah. So I've gotten into some really smelly, mm. really broken, creepy, yeah. creepy dude cars. Yeah. But it's still better than but getting into But you still didn't need to touch any money. So that's. I, uh, I didn't have to touch any money. Yeah. I was going to say something really disgusting right there, but I won't. Um, <laughs> please, <laughs> so please number five. <laughs> yeah. Number five is Stitch Fix. What's interesting about Stitch Fix is that it has the biggest write up of all of these. Like every other mm. one of these articles is like two paragraphs and, and Stitch Fix is huge. Yeah. Okay, so number four, what is it? It's the Walt Disney Company. Ooh, is that because of the streaming thing that they want to do? Well, you know, if I had read through this before, then I would know. <laughs> but uh, the, uh, Walt Again, it's just one paragraph. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I remember actually looking at that. I mean, I didn't read the list before, but I clicked the link and also like the Disney company stood out to me and I immediately clicked on it and thought, okay, that link must be broken because it's literally just one paragraph. I uh, didn't know Disney owns ESPN. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. They're a media. They, they they're a media Fox. empire, really. They um, own Hulu and everything. And the interesting thing to me is that they're almost doing the reverse thing that a company like Apple is doing. So Apple, a really great technology company, now trying to break into the content market and creating their own TV shows, their own movies. And Disney is is pretty much doing the reverse thing, yeah. where they are already like this content brand, pretty much the most famous one the biggest one, and now they want to create tech solutions for that and uh, pretty much becoming independent from Apple, from Netflix, all these companies. So I I read that 
a lot of Disney movies will actually disappear from Netflix. Uh, yeah, over the, they're over not licensing them to Netflix anymore. They say yeah. here that they'll do a better job yeah. than the than Netflix will. And I think it's interesting because from a brand perspective, it's like Apple doing their own uh, retail stores yeah. where they're like thinking, we are not going to show our MacBooks next to some crappy... Lenovo. Uh, yeah, but no, but Lenovo is a great brand. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, I mean they're all Samsung? great, but but it's uh, <laughs> it's it's just different if Dell. you can control that entire experience, and uh, that's that's potential clients, man. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I love them all. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, but we can make them more like Apple, better. Yeah, just although with the new Apple MacBook yeah. Pro, the one I'm using right here, man, it's not yeah. good. Yeah, it, the keyboard keeps breaking. The touch bar keeps crashing. It's a piece of shit, actually. Yeah, yeah. So but at least it's expensive. Yeah, and it has their own retail thing. So yeah, yeah. It's all about controlling the experience for the consumer. And I, I mean, if you look at what's happening with YouTube and these kind of like child molester things that are what <laughs> we're, we're, I think we will definitely get sued by all. The what happened? Companies. What happened with YouTube? I didn't uh, hear about that. So. Yeah, first they had this Elsa Gate thing last year where it was like basically people found a way to game the algorithm and monetize content tailored specifically to children and pretty much hacking a way to get into children's playlists like okay. the suggestions. And um, I mean, it, honestly, it was like nothing too crazy, I think, but it was just this uh, kind of like random crappy like cheaply made uh 3d animations of you know like disney characters um, but some of them are like disturbing or something I yeah heard. some of them are just like really weird like i don't know like where you would think like an ai came up with that yeah uh i don't know like some princesses eating cake and then turning purple and i don't know like hulk smashing through a window <laughs> getting shot by police <laughs> and uh and okay and now they had this issue with apparently like predators used youtube to connect to other people like themselves and the platform obviously didn't intend for of that course to happen not. No, but it started of course to not. it's just like people are horrible and they will find ways to game the system mm. this is interesting because like disney can now say to families and i mean you and i just recently became uh, fathers uh, daddy yeah <laughs> so we won't put our content we won't put it on netflix anymore next to you know like really violent marvel ted shows bundy and, tapes next yeah, to exactly, monsters Inc. Ted, yeah exactly like abducted <laughs> in plain sight uh, so we won't do that anymore we will have like one place like one walled garden where your kids are safe you won't get any weird stuff uh, in the recommendations you will only get like the things that we approve of that we create ourselves and i mean i think it makes sense for a brand like disney to do that because i think of all the content brands they're probably the only ones who can actually do that they're and pretty big yeah, yeah they're really big and i mean their content is also fantastic i mean they're yeah. all, like all the pixar stuff for example yeah star wars like oh, all yeah, of the star avengers wars. stuff i, I think isn't all of the avengers stuff part of their stuff oh i don't know about that but I star wars so. yeah maybe. i mean that's uh that's that's huge and maybe it's not yeah it's no it is don't disney own marvel don't I, they i didn't know that. all right we got to check this right now okay disney some... marvel let's have a look is marvel owned by disney yes wow yeah okay cool so they will still have all the violent Marvel TV yeah. shows on there. The interesting thing about Netflix is also that there's so much like low quality stuff. Oh on yeah, there. like not the stuff that Netflix actually produces. There's loads I'm, of dog shit on. Yeah, even some of the Netflix stuff is just dog shit. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's it's like hit and miss, right? They have like of all the content they have, maybe like 15% is really really great and standard, and that's usually the stuff that's on the like the actual home screen. Yeah. And then they have like this giant long tail of really cheaply made some ripoff of some Hollywood movie, from, yeah. you know, and that's if if you really look for something specific, like I remember I wanted to watch the, <laughs> the Godfather on Netflix, didn't find it. Instead, it recommended some weird... The hard father. <laughs> the dog father, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is unrelated to the Disney company, but I think Netflix are doing a really great job at hiding all of that stuff. Yeah, so they do. I mean, Netflix is just an unbelievably amazing company and yeah. I think that they're... They're just killing it. Totally, yeah. I love But Netflix. they're not in the list. They're not yeah, on the list. They're so, not on the list. So, so but, uh, ignore them. Maybe they will be when they uh, have to contend with uh, Disney. Yeah. yeah. Number th I, I think competition is a good thing. Yeah. Nobody is competing. Like Hulu and Amazon Prime Video? No. Yeah. Not yet. Number three 
is the NBA, mm-hmm. and I don't really want to talk about it. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm also not um, like, I think Jake would be probably yeah, a better person to talk I doubt, about. I doubt he watches that kind of um, stuff, but... Uh, okay, so let's just give you the points. But he's really big and like he's really keen on basketball. Oh, is he? Cause just because he's tall. Is he used to. He, I think he's <laughs> mentioned it several <laughs> times that he <laughs> that he really loves basketball. <laughs> Um, so I'll just read this bit. In an age of distraction, the NBA holds people's attention. Last year, the league broke attendance records for the fourth straight season. Its streaming service grew subscribers by 63%. Wow, that's impressive. And total revenue increased by 25%. One reason, the year-old NBA 2K League, the first extension of pro sports into esports, interesting, uh, which has 21 teams and games that stream on Twitch. Wow, that's Okay, that's cool. fucking cool. I'm that glad really I read cool. that now. Yeah. That's really, really, really cool. You will um, never shit talk the NBA. I'll never, I thought I just wouldn't be I am interested becoming an NBA, NBA fan now. No, but that's so cool. I mean, <laughs> actually, uh, we can't talk about it, but we as AJ and Smart have You're been involved. Right now. Well, we were involved in an eSports yeah. project last year where we did actually have a look at this NBA yeah. 2K League. Yeah. And yeah, super interesting things that they're doing yeah. there. eSports is going to be huge next year and the year after so watch out for that but nothing much to say so number two is a company called Grab and I've never heard of Grab yeah me neither which is why this is exciting and Grab is transportation as a okay so actually number one and two uh, um, are both similar because they are super apps it's a definition that we talked about a few weeks back on the podcast these apps coming from Asia, they act as a an entire operating system. They mm. do everything. They do everything from payments to dating yeah. to, you know, but they always start with something kind of simple. So this is a product called Grab. It is a Singapore-based company. Great to see the Asian companies on here. The Southeast Asian companies like finally doing some damage to Silicon Valley, creating some real competition. I'm super, super, super excited about all these Asian and Southeast Asian companies. So this is a transactional super app. It transforms local businesses across Asia, digitizing their operations and fueling them for growth and expansion. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's have a look at what it is. Oh, no. This article is a combination of the top two. Okay, let's let's just do the top two then, okay? So number two is Grab. And number one is Mai Tuan Dian Ping. A little bit harder to say than grab. No, that was perfect, actually. <laughs> Mai Tuan Dian yeah. Ping. And this is for pioneering transactional super apps. So both are super apps. These are monster products that are making billions, tens of mm. billions of dollars. Let's actually read this. Um, I'll just read the first few paragraphs here. So in the first half of 2018, Mai Tuan Dian Ping, any Chinese people listening to this, please send a message and tell me how to say that. (laughs) A Chinese tech platform that expedites the booking and delivery of services such as food, hotel stays, and movie tickets facilitated 27.7 billion transactions worth $33.8 billion for more than 350 million people in 2,800 cities. That's 1,783 MyTuan enable services every second for every day with each consumer using... Uh, these numbers have become completely meaningless. Meanwhile, in Southeast Asia, Grab, the Singapore-based ride-hailing company, forced Uber out of the region in 2018 and acquired its local operations. Well done. That's pretty crazy. A few months later, it expanded its app to offer its 130 million users not only food. By the way, the story about Uber getting thrown out of this region by Grab, I think they talk about it in the new book called Blitzscaling, which Mm. is really interesting. A few months later, it expanded its app to offer its 130 million users not only food delivery and travel booking, which is kind of something that, you know, we wouldn't really think about in Europe and America, like combining all of those things into one place. Food delivery, yes, but travel booking is weird. But also financial and other services. These efforts helped Grab hit $1 billion in revenue in 2018 and attract more than $3 billion in fresh funding to expand. Later this year, it will add healthcare services from Ping and the Chinese digital health giant. So a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, we spoke about these super apps where they basically... WeChat is another example. They just yeah. grab a huge audience. And then rather than the way we deal with it in you know Europe or Silicon Valley, where it's like, you know, we want to keep it focused. It's all about the user experience. Mm. It's all, you know, we have this thing in our minds that everything is about the user experience. In these Southeast Asian countries, it's about 
okay, these people are on the platform. Let's offer them literally everything. Yeah. Mm. There's one interesting sentence uh, here in a paragraph where it's uh, talking about how Grab uses transportation data to figure out what services to roll out oh. next. That's so interesting. Where's that? Uh, it's in this one, the middle one. So we're bringing oh, yeah. users. The CEO of Grab is saying, we have been bringing users to these businesses and now they can come to you. So mm, it's uh, it's kind cool. of like similar to what uh, Uber is trying to do with Uber Eats, I think. Yeah. But it's almost like just like it pales in comparison to this. It's where, like a massive scale of that. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. I I'm mean, sure like they carefully planned out Uber yeah. Eats and they're like, oh, should we add it? And, and in yeah. Asian countries, it's like, add it. Yeah. See what happens. It's uh, really interesting. I can imagine this must be such a giant market. And I mean, Singapore is really, really developed, but um, like countries like China, I mean, there are still so many people who are moving from the countryside to big cities. And I think there's so much potential for these people to use something like that especially if they're already on there and they're using that app to, I don't know, like communicate with people back at home. I mean, that's probably not what Grab, uh, sorry, what is that? What is Grab that? and Maituan. Um, yeah. Maituan Dwang. But it makes sense that all of that stuff is somehow bundled. Um, it, well, it, it is It is interesting. So yeah. I was in Indonesia in August and they were using this product that they mentioned here called Gojek here. Mm -hmm. And Gojek is one of the biggest competitors in Southeast Asia for Grab and I was so confused. So I would ask people, you know, we were at a hostel and uh, I was chatting with these people from Indonesia and I was like, oh, we need to book flights mm. to this island that I was trying yep. to go to. And she was like, oh, um, download Gojek. Yep. And I was like, oh, okay, so Gojek. Okay, it's like, mm. a, I assumed yep. a travel booking app, yep. right? So I downloaded it and I was looking through it and yep. I, she showed me how to book and everything because uh, it was in, mm. uh, well, actually, I think some parts of it were in English, but then we were looking for food. And yeah. she was like, go Jack. And yeah. I was like, oh, you can also book food and go Jack? Okay. Yeah. And later we figured out that the region we were going to had like almost nothing on booking.com, which was really confusing. Mm. Go Jack again. Yeah. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like basically these apps yeah. are the internet. Basically yeah. these apps are pretty much browsers yeah. which have every possible product in it. And that's something that as a European or as an American, You just don't see products like this. They're But not think, single purpose. Actually, I thought about that. And I think um, maybe we don't see it because we are so embedded in it. But I mean, essentially, Google is a company. Like I was that. just thinking that. I mean, yeah. Google is, I, I, I mean, maybe it's different because we don't really feel like Google is this overbearing thing where you're actually getting food delivered from Google. Um, but I mean, essentially, Google is almost like a super app. I think I am using Google products several times But every they single day. Separate, like they separate their kind of digital products into verticals yeah. but the same pla it's the same platform it, exactly and the interesting thing is i mean we have a product designer here fedor he's from uh, belarus and belarus 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 Belar <laughs> hey belarus no it's um, ireland so he is uh, <laughs> so he knows uh, he he really knows a lot about uh, the tech scene in russia And we had a chat recently with him where he was talking about these companies that are pretty much unknown in the West, like companies like Yandex. And the interesting thing is that Yandex is pretty much a super app for Russia. Ah. And everyone in Russia is using some Yandex service every day. Google is almost not... I mean, I think they are available in Russia, but it's just not the main thing there. Mm. So I think maybe we will see more like regions in the world building their own super apps like where you have like this one dominant force on the market whether it's google or yandex or my tongue like, yeah so europe will obviously just keep using google i mean europe really wants desperately to build their own google but that's never going to but happen google is way more careful than companies yeah. like grab and and gojek like they wouldn't <clears throat> set you know i feel like the the difference yeah. in the western world is that there is this obsession with UX and there yeah. is this up like I'm pretty sure I still have Gojek on my phone. This shit is like it doesn't care about UX at yeah, all, and yeah. I, and I have no problem with that. Sometimes yeah. I'm wondering like whether we just put too much thought into those things mm. when maybe you could just literally put everything into yeah. one product and see what happens. I think it's super interesting. I, do you think Europe will ever? go in that direction where you go away from single purpose products Maybe, and basically yeah. you have you know OSs within mm. OSs yeah yeah I'm wondering about that I mean when I think about Google I mean it's fairly recent that they started caring about UX I mean I remember mm. when every Google product pretty much had its own UX like it felt really 
janky, you know, going from Google calendars to Google search to Gmail. And I mean, we now think about like Google as this cohesive thing where yeah. like it wasn't that just a couple of years ago. And I mean, yeah, it's interesting, this uh, UX thing. I mean, I'm wondering if it's more like a mindset where it's just like, we don't even know if that thing will work. Let's just like quickly yeah, put it into there. Let's, let's just let them book flights on on this app that we're doing and then let, we'll figure it out later. I mean, I have no idea. Well, I, it's, I really it's, don't a, know. it's also the societies are completely different. They're actually digital first societies. They didn't go through. I mean, one of the explanations um, that Connie Chan from Andreessen Horowitz, you can come in, Brittany. One of the explanations that um, we are recording in the open AJ and smart office, so people are kind of passing by. Mm. One of the explanations that she had is that in China, for example, they didn't go through this phase of everyone having a desktop computer. They yeah. started on mobile. So it's not like they needed to have yeah. super clear right. UX. They just learned it from scratch. And I think yeah. that that means that in these countries, there's less friction and you can be less careful mm. about how easy it is to use this product. That's actually really interesting because, I mean, in some ways, this is a really good position to be in because you're just skipping straight to the most current thing. And I remember starting to work in the tech industry when desktop computers were still the main thing and a smartphone would be something like a Nokia E71 or something like yeah. that. It, it was basically just a normal phone, but you could get emails on it. And people really underestimated the power of mobile devices and the potential they had for a long, long, long time just because they were so used to having these big flashy websites. I mean, sometimes they were even like still flash websites with intros and everything. And countries in Asia and Africa just skipping that stuff. Yeah, skipping the growing pains. Yeah, exactly. It's really interesting. And I mean, in a way, this is really helpful to become more innovative and faster as well, like rolling that stuff out because you don't have this legacy of, you know, yeah. like you, you haven't built already like different departments dealing with whatever, like putting... Some putting, legacy offline Yeah, shit. putting all your stuff like on your uh, portal website or something <laughs> like that. And you're just going straight for smartphone users. And I mean, I can imagine that in a lot of these countries, smartphones are the main digital device that everybody pretty much uses. I mean, smartphones are capable of fulfilling all of the things that a desktop computer can do. Like if you're a consumer and you just need it as a communication device... A smartphone is really all that you need. I mean, yeah. I remember going on vacation with just my iPhone and pretty much using it as a like as a work tool. I mean, it wasn't like the most efficient way of doing things, but I did. Especially listen. since you're a builder and you needed a jackhammer. Yeah, and stuff. exactly. Like my yeah, I had to. I, I went through so many iPhones. Vacation. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, Lame but I mean, it, it's, essentially, I didn't miss my desktop computer, and yeah. it's really interesting to think about how there are now these giants that are like mobile first. That they just don't even have websites probably. You know, they, they don't have yeah. like online portals where like everyone uses their phone. And in Indonesia, the people there that I was kind of, that were showing me Gojek, the idea that there would be an online portal for that was for them kind of amusing, I yeah. would say. Because I was also, when I was booking my flights, I was like, I wanted to do it on a on a, on a computer on a computer because yeah. I was kind of nervous about it. Hmm. And they did find that kind of funny. Yeah. They thought I was like, I don't know, coming from the old world or something. Tim, yeah. before we finish off, I want to ask you one more thing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So we've gotten to the top 10 companies and I'm trying to segue into something. So one of the themes, I guess, of these top two companies is that they're not super, I guess you could say that they're not super precious about their brand. They're not super precious about yeah. their UX. Mm -hmm. It looks like they're fine with partnering up with as many companies as yeah. they possibly can mm -hmm. so that their platform becomes dominant. Here's a piece of news that broke maybe one hour ago. And I find it super, super interesting. It's for a different podcast. Do you know that there are rumors, which is probably actually the truth, it pretty much always ends up happening, that Xbox Game Pass, which is basically Xbox's mm -hmm. sort of uh, Microsoft's um, sort of Netflix of games, yeah. mm -hmm. is reportedly coming to the Nintendo Switch, uh -huh. meaning that you would be able to play Xbox, Xbox games, games on, on the, the Switch that, if you had an Xbox mm -hmm. Game Pass yeah subscription that is really interesting i mean for which is the opposite of the disney approach yeah pretty much. i mean it's also it's surprising because i mean nintendo is a company that is almost yeah i mean they're very protective of their brand i mean i, rem Usually, I remember yeah. yeah i mean in a way it's really great for them i guess because they get access to so much more content so maybe that's making the switch more interesting to gamers as well 
But on the other hand, I'm wondering, because to me, like, Xbox is more like for hardcore gamers and yeah. Nintendo Switch is, I mean, I don't know, like, that's just my assumption, but I think it's more for, like, casual gamers. So it's interesting if that's just diluting what they're already doing pretty well. Diluting what Microsoft is doing well or diluting what Nintendo is doing well? Well, I don't think Microsoft necessarily needs access to people who have a Nintendo Switch. But it's selling way better than the Xbox. Yeah. I mean, the thing is that what Mm. they gain is that people who would never buy the Xbox would potentially or or are just kind of sick of the buying a console or, for example, Mm. like us have kids. And I think the Switch is great if you have kids because you can just kind of pick it up and and play. And they're also basically saying here that it would use this new crazy Microsoft X cloud streaming technology Mm. so that even though the Switch can't play it, like I I think it's... You can stream the game. You can stream the game and apparently like with zero latency. So basically... It means that increases the potential yeah. amount of people that can pay Microsoft. Yeah, that's actually really cool. When I think about Apple's switch to becoming more of a service company, yeah. which is the big topic at the moment when it comes to Apple, that could be a very interesting move for Microsoft as well because you don't yeah. have these insane cycles anymore like developing your own console I mean, I remember... Which didn't go well for them it, this yeah, time. Yeah, it didn't go well. I mean, I remember that the latest version of the Xbox was pretty controversial and like not received very warmly by gamers. And maybe that's one way of just saying, you know, like we don't actually need to manufacture our hardware anymore. We'll just let companies like Nintendo or whoever else is around do that and offer them content so basically becoming a netflix of games i think that's uh very interesting all the new console generations are going to get yeah. apart from nintendo because nintendo's on a different cycle to everyone else but um sony and mm. microsoft are going to announce their new consoles this year yeah and i feel like that microsoft has been majorly humbled by the disaster of the xbox mm. one phil spencer the guy who's in charge now he's a really great leader he really understands the market and he's very very open and yeah. humble when he's speaking to people about why they fucked everything up and and kind of how they're going to pull back on that. So I think, actually, for me, I'm more excited about what Microsoft's going to do this year than Mm. anything else. It's, again, not about the top 10 most innovative companies, but I think Microsoft is one of those kind of... We saw that graph today where it was about, in the last decade, what were the most valuable companies in the world, and Microsoft's constantly hovering around there, right? So Microsoft's one of those weird, super consistently Mm. valuable companies, even when shit hits the fan for them. So that's just a little piece of uh, news to leave you all on. So everybody... Thank you so much for listening to the Product Breakfast Club. Tim, where can people find you on the internet? Um, I am on. <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, what you want to so say. So I, I recently re- I signed up for Twitter after deleting my account that I had several years. So I, you can find me on Twitter under at T-I-M-H-O-E-F-E-R. And that's where you can find me. <laughs> Great. Why did you re-sign up to Twitter? Uh, there's uh, just mainly for like the design and uh, product strategy yeah. related discussions. I mean, I pretty much deleted everything that is related to current news, uh, yeah. you know, politics and stuff like yeah. that because people just get too angry. So I'm just really using this now to keep myself updated on things uh, like from the design and I, I think Twitter is going to have a major comeback. I genuinely believe it. Yeah. In In a few years, it's going to be... I said this on a few episodes back. I think it's going to be one of the few social networks that's still alive because they don't go so hardcore on the ads. And I think it's actually very, very useful platform. Um, So yeah, I think watch this space with Twitter. I wouldn't wouldn't discount it at the moment. So many people hate on Twitter, but I think uh, it's actually like, I actually missed being on Twitter, which Mm. is really weird because I mean, I pretty much stopped checking in on Facebook every day. But uh, I realized I am missing so many interesting things because I'm not on Twitter. Because of Twitter. uh, Yeah. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, if you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoyed something new, a sit-down, beery chat with young Tim, let me know at Cream on Instagram. And uh, have a great rest of your week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>